podcast where we attempt to rank every horror movie ever. I'm your host, Quincy, and joining me this week is friend of the show, Ian. Ian, how are you? I'm good. It's been a nice, long Christmas break, just wrapping things up and looking forward to New Year's tomorrow. Yeah, at the time of recording, we're in that weird space between Christmas and New Year's where nothing means anything and time is just an illusion and it's just one long bender of movies and junk food. Yeah, it's the only time of year where you can comfortably stay up till 2.30 in the morning playing Dungeons and Dragons while you're in your 30s. Yeah, it's it's a special, special time. So, Ian, um, I always rely on you to fill me in on uh, music because I'm a boring dad who uh, doesn't listen to, listen to anything new. So, what's going on in ghoul shit music these days? So, I don't really listen to a ton of ghoul shit music anymore. I just... I've gotten to the point where all I really listen to is country music that makes me cry and uh, emo that makes me cry. I've just reached the crying stage uh, more so than the ghoul shit stage. So so are you saying that in your 30s, um, crying supersedes ghoul shit in terms of music? In terms of music, yes. Uh that's fair. So who have you been listening to in terms of sad shit? Uh, Boy Genius put out a killer EP this year. That's uh, Julian Baker, who I will, I'm ride or die for. Three years into her career, I just can't imagine uh, anyone having such a strong three years. Um, and then I think the best album of the year, though, was probably the Casey Moore. Uh, if you want to listen to... Uh, a fun woman from Texas sing about getting high and settling into a stable and pleasant marriage. I recommend it very I'm much. Really into, I, I'm already into Casey Musgraves, and that's like exactly what I want to listen to right now is just let's smoke. Because like my favorite um, track of hers already was Late to the Party, which is just like we could go to this party or we could just get blazed in the apartment. And uh, now I'm hyped to find out that the, the her new LP is just more songs of that. That's exactly what it is. That's awesome. Yeah, I've been trying to to listen to ghoul shit music because I've been trying to listen to a lot of Oozing Wound and Sun. I think I'm too old for Sun, Ian. Uh, yeah, I definitely am. I had an experience like that with the new Daughters album that came out this year. Yeah, I also tried and could not get into the new Daughters album. Everyone was talking about how great it was, and it just made me want to die. It made the inside of my brain hurt. See, I think part of it is because I went so hard in my 20s, my hearing is just rubbish it's just garbage so any like loud abrasive music just gives me a headache now uh and oozing wound is really good but it does not sound good turned down low the the mastering is just not made for that and turned up high it just gives me a headache so i just there's no country for old men i think i think it's actually the opposite it's all country for old men oh okay Oh boy. So, Ian, I want to talk to you about 
uh, a movie that I think it's safe to say is the reason why I'm here doing this podcast. I want to talk about Starship Troopers. Yeah, uh, I mean, Starship Troopers fucking rules. Yes, it's so good. And and a lot of you at home are probably thinking, but Starship Troopers isn't a horror movie. But it's definitely a ghoul movie. It is. So, so did you have the same experience as I, wherein I collected... Um, glossy JPEGs on my dad's computer of the gore scenes from Starship Troopers far, far earlier than actually seeing the movie. Just like I Googled Starship Troopers and just collected all of the images of people being disemboweled by arachnids until I finally watched it on Showtime like a year after its release. No, because I did not know that it was a movie at first. I had managed to catch episodes of Rico's Roughnecks. Oh, Rico's Roughnecks. The sci-fi channel cartoon that was definitely more gory than most other cartoons at the time. For sure. But was uh, real downplaying the the level of gore uh, that you got. In uh, Starship Troopers. So in fifth grade, so Starship Troopers dropped in '96, which puts me square in fifth grade. Uh, I used all of my class computer time to be on the Starship Troopers website, which was designed to look like the "Would you like to know more?" website from the movie. Uh, so I used up the black ink from the computer because that's back when uh, websites that had a black background were HTML code black with white text. Mm -hmm. So when you'd print them, it would just be black bars with the white text out of it. I got into a lot of trouble by using (coughs) the classes ink cartridge by printing out statistics on the Merida assault rifle and statistics on the different species of arachnids. Yeah, I mean, that's... That's dedication that I did not have. <laughs> I I acknowledge that uh, I do go a little hard on some things to a point where other people... My enthusiasm can be a little um, uh, much, insular at, at best. Uh, but this movie was directed by Paul Verhoeven. And, and what is wild to me is it was directed after he made Showgirls. Yeah. And and I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm still processing that I didn't know Paul Verhoeven made Showgirls until yesterday, and it does not compute with me. Except Showgirls is batshit insane. <laughs> like every other Paul Verhoeven. Yes. Movie. Showgirls is bonkers. I think the thing that see I've never seen Showgirls. The only thing I know is that when Showgirls came out, um, our our my hometown had two movie theaters, and one showed it and one didn't. So all the Christians went to the Malco, and all the heathens went to the Regal because they dared show Showgirls uh, with its original NC seventeen rating. Yeah, uh, Showgirls is about a woman who uh, befriends... She comes to Las Vegas to become a showgirl. 
But instead, she ends up at a strip club and she ascends the rank of strippers in Las Vegas until the point where she is able to uh, to become the top stripper in Las Vegas and eventually the top sh- like tries to be the top showgirl. So what you're telling me is Johnny Rico and Demi Moore in Showgirls are the same character. Uh, I mean, it's not Demi Moore, though. Oh, it's not? No. Who is the the lead in Showgirls? Kelly Kapowski. Okay, so what you're telling me is Kelly Kapowski is the same as Johnny Rico in Starship Troopers. Yes. Uh, She left Bayside High. She went to Las Vegas to be a showgirl and ended up a stripper ascending the ranks of power in Las Vegas. That's so good. That movie is bonkers. It's bad. It's very bad, but so, it's bonkers. I think the thing that struck me most about rewatching Starship Troopers is how much of a teen movie it is. It is the most high school, like, teens. Uh, we're going to have a, a gender... Uh, equal army military force where everyone is going to take showers because we are horny and we want to see everybody take showers and fucking. But it's a so the the shower scene is very desexualized. Yeah, it is. But and like I can't decide if that's again the fifth grader in me saying, "Oh my god, everyone in this movie is naked and everyone is." having sex in sleeping bags and and all that, or if it's just... uh, You also see a man's hairy anus in this movie. Yeah, you do. Uh, Just just unadultered brown eye. And and I don't know, it's hard to to talk about this movie critically because it is so near and dear to me. Um, But suffice it to say, it's some real ghoul shit. It is, and I think... So... We were also talking about doing RoboCop on this podcast. And I would challenge that RoboCop is not a horror movie. Starship Troopers is definitely a science fiction horror. Okay, so elaborate on that. Why is Starship Troopers the Verhoeven movie that uh, is the leader of the pack of horror sci-fi mixtures? It's a creature feature. Uh, I think that's the big thing, right? You get uh, really cool puppet effects... Uh, and good creature design. Um, the the violence is um, less funny. RoboCop's violence is a dude getting his dick blown off, heads exploding in a really comedic way. Uh, a guy uh, who is melted by toxic waste uh, being wiped off a car with windshield wipers. Yes. Um, and it's... It's definitely, some of it is very horrifying, but nobody plays RoboCop. Like, nobody is horrified in RoboCop, and the monster is the hero of RoboCop, whereas Starship Troopers is a movie where there are no heroes. Yeah, it's more of like, it's humanity versus this alien menace and it's it's literally let's throw as many of each side together in in a meat grinder until we get the results we want yeah it's really an anti-war kind of movie everything about it is 
very uh, deconstructionist of like why do we do these things and like it's it's easy I, I think it's easy to see people misreading Starship Troopers as a very pro-fascist movie especially because the whole like society that Heinlein originally wrote about for the novel and and the one that's portrayed in the movie is the veterans took over the world government because they were men and women of action and they do stuff and only if you serve can you be a citizen but the film is so intent on showing the fraught uh ideas about that and actually making fun of both sides because you have johnny rico's parents that are like you're not going to the army you're going to harvard even though we live in argentina you're gonna move to Har. you're gonna move to the united states to go to harvard for college because it's like paul verhoven is paul verhoven's dutch ass is going uh harvard's a college that people will know throw that one in there uh but also you have like the guy at the um intake that says mobile infantry made me the man that i am today and he's a um uh paraplegic and also has a robotic arm and like every teacher at the high school has horrible injuries and like in, in the movie just everyone is just constantly being maimed and chopped up even from boot camp with with Zim like beating the crap out of and stabbing and breaking the bones of all his cadets. Yeah, uh, I would say that I think that the Harvard moment served two purposes more than just Paul Verhoeven saying uh, people know where Harvard is. I think it's not making fun of both sides so much as it is uh, liberals that are the sort of liberals that are comfortably centrist and willing to accept the uh the rise of fascist leadership in order to remain uh comfortable and harvard being the college of choice for buenos aires establishes how globalized the world is and so i think that's a it's a smarter choice than you're giving it credit for uh and that particular instance this is an exceedingly dumb movie that is also very smart i'm about 90 percent sure that the band that plays at prom is ace of base oh yeah for sure <laughs> who are named after a nazi submarine base you know uh because what you need in your your uh, drum and bass pop group is to name yourself after fascists yeah uh and have in uh in hindsight have had associated themselves with fascists quite a bit. There's there's some really interesting articles. Not like there are some articles, do your research. No, like news sources have reported how linked Ace of Base is to fascism. I'm really... I need a moment to process that. I didn't realize how uh, fascist Ace of Base is. Yeah, Ace of Base is a reference to the Base of Aces, which is a Nazi submarine base during World War II that housed uh, a really elite group of uh, submarines. So that's, you know, just what what the 90s were about. 
Oof, man. Do we need to do a, a plot synopsis of Starship Troopers for, for the youngins who have not seen this movie? Probably. So, in the we're in the future. Everyone has to be in the Army if they want to be uh, a citizen of the global world. Uh, it's already established that giant bugs from space are hurling rocks at the Earth. So the Earth's response is, let's kill the giant bugs, which is a very much, you know, as someone who has been dealing with uh, laying out bug traps in my house, I get the, you just squish them. That's what you do. If they bother you, squish them. But as far as, like, humanity is this giant, super advanced civilization, the movie is literally send thousands of human soldiers with small caliber machine guns to attack giant spider monsters that eat that have blades for mouths and just eat the shit out of people. But, okay, the thing is that the bugs are not just doing it for no reason. They're doing it because the humans encroached into their land and started mining their territories where they lived for resources. The it's the bugs are anti-colonial freedom fighters. So so basically you're telling me that the the best moment of the movie where the compound is being sieged is uh Zulu. Yeah. Zulu is another movie that I feel some kind of way about because it's a really good movie, but I find my but I'm the movie makes you root for the wrong side of that conflict yeah. being colonialism. Um, <coughs> so wow, yeah. But then the bugs blow up Buenos Aires, right? Yeah, so yeah. They they end up not being the truest of if heroes. You can't root for the bugs because they are. Rather, I mean, you probably could still root for the bugs, but, like, they retaliate by destroying a major metropolitan area and killing billion, I think a billion people. Yeah, and and the big reveal in the movie is they're portrayed as these mindless killing machines, and the big reveal is actually there's one bug that's a brain bug, and it's like the hive queen, and it is making all of the decisions. And, and the end of the movie is, we haven't finished this war, but at least we caught the commander, and now we're gonna win the war. And then there's like a gajillion straight-to-video sequels, because, uh, come to find out, this movie never uh, got a, a second or subsequent theatrical release. No. Uh, and the movie really... There is a lot of satire in this movie that's easy to miss because of the sort of rah-rah army military hootenanny. And especially growing up in an army household and growing up uh, around army bases in like all my formative years, you meet people that are in the army that love this movie and have no sense of the satire in the film. Yeah, it's it's a very like tongue in cheek in that Paul Verhoeven sort of way that I mean people that watch RoboCop don't realize that it's an anti-fascist. Hey, this is all a bad idea. You can't meet force with force kind of thing. But people are also like I love RoboCop and, you know, 
I'm from Detroit, so I'm proud of RoboCop. I mean, it's it's that kind of thing throughout his entire oeuvre, really. Um, and, like, I don't want this to be, like, Starship Troopers is really smart. Because it's also a very dumb movie. It is a sci-fi, you know, explosion movie that really appealed to my... This movie came out the same year that Independence Day came out. Yeah. And it's very clear that what American filmgoers wanted was dumb, blow shit up. It also came out between... Now, I'm, I'm forgetting when um, America invaded Kosovo, but uh, my history's a little fuzzy. But this, this came out in a political climate where there was no major wars in America... Well, I mean, we had just finished a war. Right, right. Uh, about three years before uh, this movie was made. Not before it was released, but about three years before it was made. And we didn't really invade Kosovo. Kosovo was in the middle of a civil war. Yeah, And yeah. they were committing genocide. And we went in with the United Nations as peacekeepers to stop a genocide. Right, right. So, like, but... Then we did a bunch of other fucked up shit in Kosovo. But, like, we were still consistently bombing the shit out of Iraq and had lost a lot of credibility on the world stage because we were bombing Iraq and had just... We were just about to bomb that Tylenol factory. Oh, yeah. And uh, in the Sudan and cause... uh, I think it was in the Sudan... um, that where they ended up uh, causing a mass shortage of, of life-saving medication in sub-Saharan Africa uh, that has still has ripple effects to this day. But, man, this movie's so exquisitely dumb. Yeah, it's so fun. Um, and, you know, there's just something about, like, in this stretch of time, because Saving Private Ryan was in 98, and... Um, other there you know this was a a big clutch of late 90s just war movies where where people are fighting and it it makes you feel good because it feels very black and white there is a clear enemy and a moviegoer can root for a hero and it's a it's a Horatio Alger story as well cuz you have Johnny Rico the incompetent jock who uh, rises through the infantry ranks and then accidentally gets his buddy killed and then uh, commits, you know, gets punished and loses his uh, his on high attitude and all that. He's humbled, but then through grit and determination, he rises back to the top. I mean, you also literally have the drill instructor who gives up his rank to be infantry because that's what's most important. And at the end of the movie, he is the like key guy that saves the day. And like the whole movie is kind of about that meritocracy as well of it's, it's your grit and determination and what you do. It's what you do and the people you do along the way that really matter. Yeah. Uh, but it's, you'll notice it's always white people that get ahead. Like, the people of color in Rico's Roughnecks who were there beforehand and were above him uh, when he joined the squad uh, are then his 
subordinates. Oh, for sure. There's, I mean, and in some ways, like, good for a 90s movie to have such a diverse cast, but boo on a 90s movie for still killing uh, the diverse cast indiscriminately and not caring about anyone else. Also, uh, they're from, they're textually from Buenos Aires, and uh, only one of them has, his name is Johnny Rico, and it's Casper Van Dien. So it's like not even a, a hint at not being a white guy. Well, that's because it's a global society, and Buenos Aires is a place where uh, the wealthy and powerful had settled because it was gorgeous. Oh, that's fair. Uh, I do appreciate that Neil Patrick Harris's character is named a very German Carl with a K. Yeah. <laughs> because blue-eyed, uh, blonde-haired NPH is living in Argentina. Yes. So, uh, we're on our list. So, another really good, big, dumb army movie where grunts are fighting aliens is the movie aliens which is number 18 yeah i'm not comfortable with 18 because there's some other shit under there like raw is definitely better than starship troopers i carrie is better than starship troopers yeah there it's actually you know a, a more accurate movie is Predator at number 36. It is very much the spiritual successor to Predator's big, dumb boys in the jungle fighting a monster. Ain't got no time to bleed kind of ethos. Yeah. Where but I, that's also pretty high on the list compared to some of these other movies. Well, where I was looking was between number 50, which is the original It uh, which is another big, dumb literary adaptation. Yeah. Uh, then, and then um, I was stopping at Scream, which was another 96 uh, sort of horror story that is telling a sort of multi-textual story um, in a big, dumb way. Yeah, I think the biggest problem with uh, that is Scream is a, if we put it nearer to Scream, we'd actually say that Starship Troopers is better than Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the film, which it is not. Yeah, that's true. Um, I actually think it's it's not as good as it, but just marginally. And I think I would argue that, well, shit. Here's where it gets really tough, because we have Creature from the Black Lagoon under that, and it is not as good as Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. But it's better than The Mask of the Red Death, because that doesn't really do anything to to that story. The text still is better than the adaptation. Mm -hmm. And I think anyone would tell you that Starship Troopers by Robert Heinlein, not as cool as the movie where giant monsters uh, eat people for two hours. Yeah, I get that. And also 51 is the sacrament. Yeah. And that's a, that is a really inventive way of telling the story of Jonestown. Right. I I really like that movie. Okay. So, So our new number 60 is starship troopers. So, Let's talk about Bird Box. This has got a lot of people talking uh, on social media 
the meme machine is roaring, and um, <clears throat> it's 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 a movie. Uh, so here's the deal. This is on Netflix. If you want to see it, um, if you want to avoid spoilers, uh, I totally understand. We're not gonna do anything else this week, so. We'll see you next week, but uh, if not, and you just want to sink two at pause the podcast, sink two hours into watching it, I would recommend watching um, Bird Box. It's worth watching. Yeah, um, um, and then come back. We totally get that too. I I would say I want to shout out to Switchblade Sisters, uh, which is a podcast. Uh, another horror movie podcast. And They're very some, good. They are very good. But something that I think that is always uh, welcome addition to the conversation that they say is it is not the the it's not the journey it, or it's not the destination it's the journey and so what the summary is is not as important as how everything happens in the movie so hearing a summary of the movie yeah d- yeah I think because I think what I really liked Bird Box when we finished watching it because we watched it together and during watching it like the viewing experience was excellent. I was riveted. I was watching the whole thing. I was there. But the longer I've sat with it and thought about it, the less fervent my recommendation has become. It's kind of souring like, you know, milk left on the counter. Yeah, it's definitely beautiful. Yeah, it's the... really well shot for sure. And I think the the script just needed another pass. Yeah, and, and this is a literary adaptation. It is based off of uh, Josh Mallerman's the, the Bird Box. And I'm fascinated to read the book and figure out what was a Hollywood screenwriter taking a literary novel and putting it into traditional Hollywood story structure and what was actually in the text. Because there are some choices that I kind of, frankly, I want to know who to blame because there's some stuff, as much as this movie is innovative and clever, there are some choices where I think, really, why did you choose that? That's kind of hokey or just kind of cringy. And I'm interested to know what is the original novel and what is the um, film. And if y'all know, uh, drop us a line at rankinballcast at gmail.com or tweet us um, at rankinballcast and let us know because um, although that book's on the top of my list, I get a vibe it's going to be um, pretty sought after at the library for the next couple months. Yeah. Uh, I was just looking at the the director, Susan Beer's IMDb. This really appears to be her first horror movie. Um, I mean, straight up, Netflix will not come out and call it horror. If you look at the category, it's post-apocalyptic drama because they're they're so afraid of the H word that they don't want people to ignore it. And and frankly, I was kind of taken aback by how many people who are not stone cold ghouls have been watching and enjoying this movie. I mean, you put Sandra Bullock in it yeah. and John Malkovich and Sarah Paulson, like and Trevante Rhodes. You know, you have multi-academy award winner multi-emmy award winners in this movie like there's this cast is stacked yeah it's it's 
it's the kind of cast where every time a new character would show up, I would think, how did they get that person? Like, how did they swing the casting that they did have? Yeah. I mean, the, like, I could see, I saw Lil Rel, uh, and I was really excited. Because he, he's the one from Get Out that I think is, uh, is due for the, the most of an appraisal. Yeah, uh, yeah, he deserves like, a push. He's yeah, because it, it and so I was excited to see him showing up in this movie. That's got a, it's like a really prestige movie, and it's good. Like it's not as good as it you're like you were saying. It's not as good as I thought it was when I first watched it. I think when I first watched it, I would have probably given it like a B plus. I think I'm hovering around a B minus, maybe C plus. I wouldn't go as far as C plus. I'd say it's a B. It's just a, it's a B. So, so let's get into what we don't like, and maybe that'll make it easier to, to kind of put our finger on what's wrong with it. I, honestly, I think the main, the things that I didn't really like are how willing it was to fall on the negative tropes, uh, that horror movies have, right? They kill all the people of color. Yeah, 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 it is very quickly that... Everyone who's a woman, except except Sandra Bullock, is weak, and everyone who's a person of co- person of color dies, and very quickly to the point where you know they go on a mission to the grocery store in one scene, and like they load up the car, and as a viewer, I'm like, oh, they're going to kill everyone in this car, and then instead of saying uh uh oh that's not this kind of movie they make good on the exact assumptions i had as being a ghoul who's seen so many horror movies and it's a horror movie people are gonna die it's the the order that they died yeah uh and you know there's a real strong barrier gaze vibe here uh i have a feel i feel like sarah paulson's character was a lesbian uh, and definitely B.D. Wong's character was a gay man. That was textual, yeah, right? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, so they they buried them almost immediately. Uh, it's just like there's so much going on that just leaned into all the, the bad parts. And then also uh, weaponized mental illness. Yeah, the whole, and here's the thing that drives me nuts about this. So, the whole premise of the movie is you can't look directly at the monster or it'll make you kill yourself. Except for a group of mentally ill who become, like, basically the monster's henchmen. Yeah. So, in this world, if you're mentally ill, because they say the people from the insane asylum don't get affected. So, like... The thing that's left dangling and the thing that I've been troubled with is, like, how mentally ill (coughs) counts. And, like, what is the message about the mentally ill? Especially in a culture where, you know, American culture is so much quicker to say, like, we don't have a gun problem, we have a mentally ill problem. Like, that's something that is very unsettling to say, like, Okay, so we're gonna demonize, literally demonize the mentally ill as like the harbingers of the apocalypse is not a good look in 2018. No, especially when the mentally ill 
are far more likely to be victims of violence than perpetrators of violence. It's just, there's a whole lot of things to unpack in this movie that take away from how well acted it is. Yeah, like, I've always been on the fence about Sandra Bullock as an actor, but this is a movie where I'm actually willing to say she is way better of an actor than I thought because it's very clear in the way the shots are set up that she is acting alone in a lot of the scenes because, you know, there are two five-year-old actors and because of, um, of labor laws, uh, those kids couldn't have been on set as much. So it's very clear in many scenes she is acting by herself because she is talking to five-year-olds, but they didn't have them for the whole shoot. And the majority of the movie is her with these children. So the fact that she pulls out the performance she does probably by herself talking to a production assistant holding a stick is amazing. I wanted to let you finish your point, but I really need you to defend your questioning of Sandra Bullock's acting skills. So so the reason why I've been a and yes i know she has an academy award oh that doesn't matter (laughs) (laughs) but the the reason why i'm not a huge sandra bullock fan is i just have not really you know okay in the blind side she plays a southern woman that is like a white savior and like okay good for her and like I don't know, I just don't think of any movies where I've just been like, oh man, she is, you know, a serious actor. And I I, I already hear that you're going to, like, point out some flaws in that thinking, and and we can talk about that, but she's just not been my top. I I cannot think of her beyond Miss Congeniality. Which rules! That movie's great! (laughs) I'm not going to say that you have she has to be your favorite i just don't understand how you didn't immediately understand how good of an actress she is i and i'm just gonna let that i'm just gonna let the audience marinate in that the fact that you thought sandra bullock was not a great actress and move on because i don't want to just tear you down but man (laughs) that's a weird thing i invite you into my home onto my podcast and then you... and this is how you repay me. No, I'm 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 willing. I'm I'm ready to admit that that is a very spicy, unpopular take. Is that Sandra Bullock is not a great actor, uh, but you know it's one that I've I've held for a very long time, and I'm this movie is is encouraging me to to rethink that. It took Bird Box for me to go. Okay, yeah. Um, can we talk about Machine Gun Kelly, though? Yeah, why the fuck was Machine Gun Kelly in this movie? As Machine Gun Kelly? Like, he doesn't really even act like anyone but himself. He he is a tweaked-out drug addict who flakes on everybody. Yeah, steals the car uh, with the cop. He and the cop fall in love in the apocalypse uh, because star-crossed lovers and all of that and then just disappear yeah that i don't know that was a that was a choice yeah it was i feel like some of this movie might have been like this person owes us a favor 
kind of casting. Because it, as soon as Danielle McDonald showed up, I'm like, oh, hey, uh, they're going to cross-promote Dumplin'. And they're just going to talk about that movie in this other Netflix movie. Well, Netflix makes creative decisions by algorithm. <laughs> that's not a joke. That's just reality. Yeah, they, so... So, like, I don't... I don't see a world where they did not use an app to choose a young SoundCloud rapper uh, that they wanted to, to get uh, to come in and uh, and be in this movie. And Machine Gun Kelly was who... And I understand Machine Gun Kelly's not a SoundCloud rapper, but he wants to be a SoundCloud rapper. But that's not the point i also realize rosa salazar is going to be in um battle angel alita so it's very calculated that she's in this movie too yeah to, to build hype i think it really is like uh a lot of it is very hype machine we're gonna pick people that we can um remind people are in other things and the top tier cast of that it worked out great yeah it's only the second tier that you're like oh, okay i get it um but like, so the creature, the lack of seeing the creature was really effective to, for me. Yeah, I didn't think it was going to work because I, you know, my immediate reaction was that's not a good idea to not show a creature. But the way that they use CGI in very subtle ways, mm -hmm. it worked out just fine. Yeah, it it made it feel like the creatures were more archaic and menacing. Yeah. Especially when you have uh, Lil Rel uh, laying out uh, in a really clever way, I think, having all this knowledge about what these things are sort of reminding him from in history because he reads a lot on the internet to write yeah, a novel. and that's what I was also on the fence about because it's very much like, really, you're going to have a... No you're just going to have a writer character that dumps all of your exposition in one scene. I mean, it's saved because Lil Rel is, is hilarious and has perfect delivery, but that's something I want to know. Like, in a novel, it's a little less info dumpy and you can build the world a little quicker than in a film where you only have two hours you have to have a character say it's just like all these other times in history and mythology so you know there's kind of that but they cut him down real quick yeah, about yeah. it which i think made this made it work for me because they were like they they sort of questioning his sources yeah. uh, really quickly. Because they were like, where did you find that? And he says, the internet, where you find everything. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I just felt a little... It made it work a little more for me. Um, and the scenes where they're traveling on the river were so good yeah. and so tense. Oh, yeah. This, this movie is excellently paced. I... I am notorious on this podcast for dreading anything over 90 minutes because we've watched some real stinkers, but a good long movie does not make uh, me think, like, how long is this movie? Because I forgot about time because it was that engaging. And yeah. and the, ten the tension was so well done and the stakes were so well established that it, it, it worked really well. But I, th I think just, like, the world-building and some of the unsettling implications... And I'm sorry, 
even the ending of like they're at a school for the blind and that's why it works kind of made my eyes roll a little bit yeah i mean it makes sense right that at a school for the blind they the monsters are going to be less dangerous to people who can't see because they can't see them that makes sense but it's also i mean it was it was a little on the nose yeah it feels a little too clever it feels it is presented in a way where the it feels like the director's saying look how smart we've all been look how good this movie is when when it's because and i think it's the establishing shot of they walk in and it could have been you know the so they open the door and the man is blind and you go oh he's blind and then there's a hard shot of like the sign that says school for the blind and then they immediately show the flags of benetton cast of blind kids at this school and you're like okay i get it it's very i think maybe (coughs) my problem is some of this is treating horror fans as not as smart of viewers as they actually are Mm -hmm. i think some of i think most of the problems are because there are things that are on the nose yeah i would agree and and another thing that i have an issue with is it doesn't have to just be these um so so i mean walking dead has been able to go forever because every antagonist isn't the same antagonist every marauding group that sandra bullock runs into don't have to be these harbingers of the the thing trying to pull their blindfolds off it could be other people raiding and like you know there can be other reasons to try to run away from someone besides they're gonna pull your blindfold off yeah and and that was something i didn't really appreciate was like Everyone who, basically everyone who wants to pull your blind off, blindfold off in this movie is a um, reject from a Death Wish movie, and that's not a good look to have in a film that says uh, the reason why these people are doing this is because they have a mental illness, and then as you know, someone who has a mental illness, as someone who knows a lot of people. I'm not a he. I'm not stoked at what this movie is saying about my demographic. Yeah, uh, there. Yeah, it's just these. The problems with this movie are the kind of problems that really are uh, a weight. They're a millstone around yeah. the neck of an otherwise very very well made movie yeah and like they could have i think changing two or three lines of saying like i don't know some people just don't get because it's clever it's really clever to think like um it's it's someone sitting in a writer's room saying if you don't look at it you don't get killed well someone's got to well what happens if you you just put a blindfold on well what if someone pulls a blindfold off i mean that's it and that's all they have to say is well just some people we don't know why but some people and it works early on in the movie when they're like i don't know fish fingers was just kind of off i don't know why he does it yeah and then later they're like oh it's because he is bold letters mentally ill and <coughs> that's kind of the thing that's 
And and also what's not good about that is the dude who like shows up in the house and like fucks everything up presents himself as like I'm this cultured English gentleman and I was attacked by these mentally ill hoodlums and then all of a sudden he like pulls out the uh, freshman one-on-one acting class I'm crazy monologue and it's like you can't go from zero to 60 and that be your performance and not have this really negative portrayal at like you can't play it as subtle it's just got to be this this over the top insanity yeah i just i wanted to love this movie mostly i just liked it a lot yeah yeah so i'm looking at another movie i really liked from 2018 upgrade i don't think this movie is better than upgrade i still haven't seen upgrade i checked it out from the library three times and just have yet to watch it so i can't put anything uh to or uh towards upgrade i would just say the reason why i liked upgrade more is it was a more i think upgrade was not as smart as bird box but it was also not as offensive as bird box so like sometimes dumb high concept movies that are high concept can just be dumb and fun yeah and not really engaging and and misstep but but i feel like i'm penalizing bird box for flying too close to the sun yeah um so this list <laughs> i have qualms about this list it and is you... a running uh theme on this show that the list is uh, qualmish at best. <laughs> uh, so below upgrade at 169, you have Devil's Rejects. Nice. Which, this movie is definitely fucking better than The Devil's Rejects. Oh, for sure, for sure. But somehow, you fuckers have Night of the Hunter. <laughs> Objectively, one of the best movies I have ever seen in my life. Like, unquestionably, in the top five all-time best movies i've ever seen not favorite best <laughs> like a southern gothic tale that makes my skin crawl that is so beautifully made with such a haunting musical score that that doesn't make sense <laughs> night of the hunter is Fucking head and shoulders above Bird Box. Yeah. But somehow, you have it below the Devil's Rejects. <laughs> um, so, like... I would have to say Bird Box goes in at 170... At the new 173 above Maniac Cop 2. Because it's not better than Night of the Hunter. But it's definitely fucking better than The Devil's Rejects, so I don't know what to tell you. Okay, so here's my problem with that, is My Friend Dahmer is 174, and that movie's fucking great, too. It is, but I think Bird Box does more than My Friend Dahmer. My Friend Dahmer is a very good adaptation of that graphic novel, and it's a haunting, sad movie. Yeah. But... It is 
is not as good as Bird Box. And maybe I'm just being overly pessimistic and this movie will actually open up the conversation about mental illness as portrayed in media and we'll talk about that more um, once we get done with the meme phase. Uh, or maybe not. Who knows? Now, another problem with this is we're then saying that Dark City is better and Happy Death Day is better. So I actually motion we go up the list quite a bit uh, to Killing of a Sacred Deer territory. I loved Killing of a Sacred Deer. Um, Which leaves you feeling more... Talk about a movie leaving you feeling some kind of way. What, what movie did you wrestle with more this year? Killing of a Sacred Deer or um, Bird Box? So I've wrestled with Killing of a Sacred Deer longer. Yeah. Because I watched it six months ago. Right. Um, but <sighs> Killing of a Sacred Deer doesn't, didn't leave me feeling as dirty yeah, as, yeah. like, or not, dirty's not the right word. That's a bad choice of words. Didn't leave me feeling as conflicted about the things I loved and things I hated about Bird Box, right? Right. Uh, because Killing of a Sacred Deer, there are things I didn't like in that movie, but they didn't stem from things that made me uncomfortable politically. Right. It just... There were some choices in that movie that I think they, I think they needed a little more explanation in Killing yeah. of a Sacred Deer. Not a lot more. You don't need to explain the whole thing, but I just feel like there was a there there was a little more room for explanation than was left on the cutting room floor. Maybe yeah. Uh, so I th- I don't think that Bird Box is better than Killing of a Sacred Deer. But it's de- I'd say it's probably better than The Faculty. Yeah, I've not seen The Faculty, so I can't really speak to that. That I, is a Ryan ranking. I mean, um, so when, I will say this about The Faculty. Uh, I haven't seen it since 2001 or 2002. But I've seen quite a few think pieces on The Faculty this year coming out where people are reevaluating The Faculty as a much more subversive movie than we sort of gave it credit for. Right. So I don't know, but I haven't seen The Faculty in so long. I feel like Bird Box, though, is doing a lot more for the discourse than The Faculty, though. As yeah. much as as much as we, you know, those think pieces are great. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um I would say that Bird Box is safe to go right below Killing of a Sacred Deer because they're very much akin to a movie that left me feeling a way that I'm not quite sure of, but it was a pleasant experience. Yeah. <clears throat> I really, I did enjoy it. I had a great time watching it. I was on the edge of this of my seat for a lot of it. Um, I do want to, again, re- re-register my formal complaint about Night of the Hunter coming in at 173. Um, because... Get in line. That movie is... That movie deserves to be in the top ten. That movie is better than The Omen. 
So, Ian, where can our listeners find you online to uh, commiserate with your uh, feelings on Night of the Hunter and uh, other things? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Ian, that's I-A-N, Chambers, S-O-C. Uh, that's sociology. Most of what I post is going to be uh, charts and graphs, and I'm a demographer, so uh, it's kind of, it can be kind of dry, but... I've been trying to be a little more active on Twitter about other things, too, so... We also are on Twitter, at Rankin Vilecast, where we are posting considerably lower brow content than Ian. Uh, we're on Instagram as well, at Rankin Vile, and on Tumblr, uh, while Tumblr is still a thing, uh, rankinvile.tumblr.com. If you have a listener request... Uh, we want to hear from you. Shoot us an email at rankinvilecast at gmail.com or put that request in our ask box on Tumblr. Uh, we're heading into the new year and we want to watch a ton of new movies. If you want to put your two cents in, we'd love to hear you. If you are a creative uh, and you have a spooky, ghoulish project you want to promote, uh, shoot us an email as well. Um, so hopefully your resolution is to watch more spooky movies. Uh, Ian, thank you so much for being on the show. I mean, thanks for having me. I had a great time. Yeah. All right. Stay spooky, y'all. <laughs>